All right, so Father God, we lift up this time. I just pray that you would anoint it. I pray you speak through me. Let your word go forth. The Bible says your word goes forth. It doesn't return void, but accomplishes that which you have sent it forth to accomplish. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name as you speak through me tonight, Lord, that your word will go out as living seeds of truth that will be sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit, and will take root and grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains in every life. Lord, I pray the word says that you write your word into the tables of our heart. And Lord, that you would do that, that you would take your finger and just burn in the word of God into our heart. And Lord, I pray that um, as the word goes forth, that you would speak through me in a way that maybe even things I don't say will spark something in people and will cause people to think on things that they need to think about. Revelation will come. And this word will go forth and change lives. And it won't just be something that we hear and then forget, but it'll be something that stays with us. We retain it. And it's something like the book of James says that we live it out. It's not just something we hear, but we apply to our lives and hear and live it out. And Lord, we thank you for it. I bless this time in the word to be fruitful and powerful. And I ask you, precious Holy Spirit, Lord, to come upon us right now. Help us, Lord, to give you our full attention, our best ear, and to get locked into what you're speaking, and let your presence fill and increase and saturate every life. Steve, the Lord saying that you're on the on the verge of a significant breakthrough. Some of the things you've been going through in your own personal life, just God refining and strengthening you and everything, but it's been a preparation, and um, you're on the verge of really seeing a breakthrough in the in the area of um, the ministry to the young people. I feel the Lord saying that. I really sense a breakthrough coming, powerful breakthrough. And just remember, I feel the Lord saying that it's, just remember that it's a greater anointing than just your own personal, you know, that there's there's a corporate anointing. You know what I'm saying? There's a corporate anointing. And the Lord has a move of God for young people. And I feel the Lord saying to you, Pastor Steve, that God's really going to start giving you a deep burden to see revival in young people. Not just church. I mean, yeah, they, they, obviously we need a strong burden about them being saved, okay? Not to diminish that, but I feel like a real burden to see young people in revival. And the Lord's going to impart that to you. I feel like it's going to maybe even begin tonight. But you're going to really have a burden for that and pray about it because I feel like it's coming and the Lord's going to open it up. There's, there's going to come a point in time where the Lord takes the key of David. He's going to open up something. And all these prophecies and things that have been hanging overhead are going to start happening. And he's just preparing everybody, you know. It's all preparation. But I feel that. Just be encouraged. The Lord allowed some things to get stirred up and dealt with. He's preparing you. It's, man, it's coming. And it's going to be significant. I see revival among young people. That's what I see. All right.
In fact, I think I'm going to share tonight at some point about the prophecy. <laughs> the Lord kind of used Caitlin to bring it back to my attention, but about maybe six weeks ago, I had prophesied. I was, you know, you, I don't know how many of you guys have done that or whatever, so I don't know if you know what I mean, but you're just kind of in the flow, and all of a sudden, you're getting a message in tongues interpretation. You're just in the flow of it, and it's coming from your spirit, you know. It's not something out of your head. And so as I'm sitting here prophesying out of my spirit, I'm actually hearing myself say these things in my own mind, and I'm thinking, well, I've never thought of that before. But as I was prophesying it, I, it got recorded, and um, I went back and I re-listened to it today, and I typed it up. And I really feel that, well, as I preach, you'll understand why. But I feel like it's something we need to talk about and pray about. So anyway... So anyway, last week, let me go ahead and get in this. Last week I talked about part one of applied faith. And we talked about the power of communion, the power of things like anointing with oil. You know, because, I mean, we do all this stuff. You know, people go to church, especially full gospel churches. And how many knows you can go to church and you can see a bunch of stuff and you pick up the lingo and you kind of see how people do things. But if you don't know what the Bible says about it, you don't really understand why people are doing it in the first place, you know. And so I felt the Lord saying that he wanted me to explain these things and give you the word of God so that as the word of God gets in you and it's preached, it's really going to ignite faith in you, okay. Because we need to do these things with faith. I think I talked about water baptism and some other things. All right, so tonight I'm going to talk about a few other quick points I want to go through. <coughs> but as I was listening, Wendy sent me a link about Bob Jones talking about 2012, and he was saying there wasn't really a lot of information. It was, it was a, he just talked about two or three points, but he talked for a long time about each point. But one of the points he talked about was about the words of our mouths. And we're going to have to be careful what comes out of your mouth because the Bible clearly says, you know, with the same mouth, you can bless yourself or curse yourself, and it has an effect. I mean, what you say has a lot to do with the quality of your life. And I know I've preached on this enough to where you guys know what I'm talking about, so okay. But let me just stir up your faith a little bit. Three different things. The power of speaking blessings, okay? You remember the life of Jacob and Esau and how Isaac was deceived, and Jacob snuck in there, and he got the father's blessing on him. It was really supposed to be his brother's because his brother was the oldest. But anyway, he got the father's blessing through deception. But even though he got it through deception, the Bible shows the rest of his life that his life was so blessed. And Esau's wasn't. That's the awesome power of a blessing. Okay? So I encourage you. You remember Brother Kilpatrick talking about, you know, speaking a blessing every day? And I sent you guys that stuff. I encourage you to speak a blessing over yourself and your family on a regular basis and understand the power of the words of your mouth to release life. Look at some of these scriptures of Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Think about that. So life or death is in the tongue. And people that are always speaking negative, they don't realize it, but they're cursing themselves and they're cursing their family. They're cursing their finances. You know, they're speaking negative things over themselves and others. 
And without even realizing it, they're actually causing everything to be worse. But as you begin to, to open your mouth and you begin to speak a blessing, remember, was it 1 Peter 3, 9? It says, contrawise, don't repay evil for evil, but contrawise with blessings so that you might inherit a blessing. So in other words, people are cursing you, but what did Jesus teach us? Bless those that curse you. You start blessing things and it will turn it around and then you will inherit the blessing. See what I'm saying? Like you have a negative situation going on. And it would be easy to sit there and grumble and complain about the negative situation. But when you start blessing that thing to change and it starts changing, then you inherit the blessing. You reap the benefit of a situation turning around. The second thing, and these are all completely different. Number one is speak blessings. Number two is confessing God's word. Start finding scriptures that apply to your life, especially areas that you need a miracle or something, find some scriptures that apply and speak those scriptures out loud over your life and believe God. And one of the things about that is that as you're speaking God's word out like that, on a, let's say that you're going through something, maybe going through a battle in health or something, and you've got some scriptures about healing, and every day, while you're praying, you break out those scriptures and you read those things out loud over yourself. Well, number one, the, the, the power of God's word is amazing. But number two, that word of God is getting not just in your head, but it's getting down into your very heart, into your spirit. Because you keep speaking it over and over and over, and it's something that is getting deep down within you. And... See, a lot of people think that faith is just a head knowledge of God's word. But really, faith, it says, with the, with the heart, the mouth speaks. It, it comes from the heart. And so faith is something that as you hear God's word, it goes down from just being in your head, and you're just sim simply agreeing with it, down into your spirit, man, and it produces faith. And I'll give you an example. There's a lot of people, you can go out on the streets right now, and you can talk to people and say, who is Jesus Christ? And there's some people that will split hell wide open. They're not right with God. They don't know God. They're living in sin. And they'll tell you exactly who Jesus is. They have a head knowledge about God. They have a head knowledge about the things of God. But they haven't had it go down into their heart and produce faith in them and change them. You see what I'm saying? there's a lot of people that just simply acknowledge something with their mind, but there's a difference between that and believing in your heart. You remember that? Paul said you believe in your heart, and then you confess with your mouth. All right. So number one is speaking blessings. Start speaking blessings on a daily basis of your life. Number two, confess God's word. And number three is releasing the kingdom. The Bible says in Luke 17, I believe, it says the kingdom of God is within you. You've got to understand whenever Jesus walked the earth, he would walk into a place and he would say, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, what in the world? Let me explain. There's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And in heaven, there's not sickness. There's not poverty. There's not oppression of the enemy. You know, there's not demonic things. There's not evil. 
And when Jesus, he was bringing the kingdom of God with him into a certain situation. He would walk into somebody's house and could say, this house might have belonged to the kingdom of the devil, okay? It might have been that way. But when I've come in, I've brought the kingdom of God with me into this place. So where there used to be lack, I'm going to pray and now there's going to be abundance. Where there used to be sickness, I'm going to pray and now there's going to be healing. Where there used to be maybe some people, remember Jesus' ministry, cast out demons. Where there used to be demonic spirits, now I'm going to drive them out. But he would bring the kingdom. And so by faith, we can take authority and release the kingdom of God into situations and into people's lives. Okay? So on a daily basis, in my prayer time, I speak a blessing, but I also confess scriptures. But then number three, I command in Jesus' name, I command God's kingdom come and will be done and be released in every area of my life, family, ministry. And I'm believing that the kingdom of God is going to begin to be established in people's lives. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like as you pray that way, it's why Jesus said, pray your kingdom come and your will be done. When you pray that way and you're commanding the kingdom to be released, it starts changing things into the will of God. Your kingdom come and then your will will be done. Is everybody seeing this? I know that this is a bit of a mystery and it's a little bit deep. But if you get this revelation of what I'm talking about, I promise you it'll really change your life. Because those three things, if you want to see difficult situations turn around, do those three things I just told you. You start blessing the situation to turn around. Start speaking the word of God over it. Find scriptures that apply. Speak it over it. And then number three, command the kingdom to be released into that situation. And it will start turning things around. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. It affects generations. And then also, you know, I don't really want to take a long time to get bogged down on this, but you can put a blessing on your family, your home, on communion, on food, offering, like finances, I should put finances really, health, things like that. But you can put a blessing on those things. You remember whenever Jesus was here, the Bible says that he would bless something. You remember when they brought him the little children? He didn't pray for them. He didn't, you know, heal them. He didn't prophesy over them. It says that he blessed them. And whenever he took the loaves and fishes, he blessed those loaves and fishes. And once he spoke a blessing over them, blessing produces multiplication. Once he blessed the loaves and fishes, all of a sudden they went to feed 5,000 and, and beyond because there was a lot left over. But you, you are changing things. You're changing the atmosphere. You're changing the outcome. You're changing things by the power of your mouth. And you have to be very careful because the, the Bible talks about in James that somebody's mouth can be lit on fire by hell in James chapter 4. Okay, you don't want that to happen. But when people start getting negative and they start just saying all this negative stuff and they get angry and they say a bunch of things they don't mean, that's what's going on. But James says that a large ship will be turned by a small rudder and he connects it to your tongue. 
The tongue is a small member of your body, but it actually turns your life. All right, is this helping you guys? So whenever we take a moment to take the Lord's Supper, and I've taught on that already, so I'm not going to revisit that. Whenever we take the Lord's Supper together, and then we speak blessings out, I want you to understand the power of what's going on so that you can release your faith. I've heard so many testimonies about things when people start speaking blessings. I've heard of people that could not get pregnant, bless, and all of a sudden they got pregnant. I've heard of people that had health problems, and once they started speaking blessings and speaking God's word over their body, it changed. On and on. Okay? It's the power of life and death is in the tongue. All right, number two. This is kind of where I wanted to maybe share that prophetic word, if that's okay with you guys. But anyway, I want to talk about, real quick, Revelation. Here's the thing. I'm going to do this as fast as I can without losing anybody. But the Bible is written in Greek and Hebrew, okay, Greek in the New Testament. The reason why God wrote it, I promise you, in Koine Greek is because in many ways it's a better language than English. You know, actually there's probably several that are better than English, okay. But just for, I'll give you one example. In the English language, we only have one word for love. And so whenever you describe something, you have to say, well, I love, I love them like a sister. I love them like this. You have to expound on it because there's only one word. But there's like several words in the Greek for love. And so whenever they would use it in a sentence, they would just use that different word and you'd know what they're talking about. Okay, well, the same thing is true with W-O-R-D, word. There's two different Greek words. There's one of them that's logos and the other one's rhema. But they both mean word. But here is how it applies. The logos, word of God, is what God has already spoken. If you can remember this, it's important. What God has already spoken in the past is written down in the Bible, 66 books of the Bible. It's there. That's the logos word of God. There's awesome power in that, in the word. Amen. But the rhema word of God implies God speaking now. It implies what God is saying right now to you. Think about Abraham. Abraham did not have a Bible, okay? When God spoke to Abraham, it was a rhema word. He said, you leave this country. You go where I show you. I will bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. You go and do it. And when he gave Abraham that word, it wasn't something that he read out of the Bible because it wasn't even written at the time, but it was something God spoke to him. It was a rhema word. God was speaking. He believed. Now, here's the thing. You have to believe the Logos word. You have to believe the Bible, okay, everything in it. I believe it all. I believe that there was a guy named Jonah that got swallowed by a big fish. I believe it all. I don't have a problem believing it, Amen. I believe that there were some guys that were in a fiery furnace and they came out okay. All right? I believe it. You believe the Logos, but also when God truly speaks to you, you believe what he says. That's the rhema. That's what God is speaking to you. And see, the Bible says that Abraham believed the Lord and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And the Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. All right. God will speak to you sometimes. Some of the ways God speaks to you 
he might give you something like a dream or vision or different things that many of you have experienced. But you may hear the Lord just straight up tell you something. But sometimes the Lord will use other people. They will give you a word, prophetic word or whatever. Now, understand that it's not always 100%. You need, the Bible says you need to test it and make sure it's the word of the Lord. But if God speaks to you through a person and it is the Lord, you need to believe it. And you need to lay hold of that promise that God has given you, okay? All right. Uh, watch this, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. In other words, whenever you pray the will of God, you got it. And so the way that the will of God is revealed to you sometimes is God will give you a word. He'll speak to you. And that's how you know the will of God about some things. Okay. But whenever you get a word, and I'm trying to move through this quick. Whenever you get a word from God, it's a rhema word. It's something God's speaking to you. You know you've heard from God. You know that the person that prophesied to you, you know it was the word of the Lord or God spoke directly to you. But you know that it's the Lord. You need to lay hold of that promise and you need to pray it through. Now, I realize that I've heard one preacher say this one time. He was kind of trying to downplay um, the prophetic in some areas. I understand what he was saying. But at the same time, there's always going to be a balance. And, and preachers sometimes will try to, to bring balance on one area, but they'll go to the whole other extreme. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? They'll go too far this way. And he was saying something along the lines of, well, if, if somebody gives you a word, fine, just, you know, Fold it up and stick it in your underwear drawer if it comes to pass, good. And that was his exact words. And I'm sitting there going, that's actually not how you handle it, man. I'm thinking that's not, okay, you, you pray it through. Because, listen, the word of the Lord, the enemy will try to stop that from happening. The enemy will try to prevent it. And if it's really, truly the word of the Lord, the enemy will try to stop it and hinder it. And so you're going to have to pray it through. So let me give you some quick things. The Lord gave me this message in tongues, and I, I went back and listened to it. Let me read it to you. This was on, I believe it was September the 3rd. Some of you guys may remember this. I don't know. I'm going to read it to you. I want you to think about this because, it, again, this was a message in tongues and interpretation. This was not something that came out of my head. So while I'm giving this, some of these things I'm thinking – Man, this is so true. But listen, it says, For the Lord would say to you that the spirit over this region is an anti-Pentecostal, anti-revival type of spirit. How many knows about principalities and powers? It's no joke. All right, so the spirit over this region is anti-Pentecostal, anti-revival. That's interesting, and that explains a lot. All right, he said that you've been tested and tried so that you can endure the persecution to come, and the Lord would say you need to remain faithful. The Lord is saying the preparation has been necessary because the resistance is not against you. The resistance is against the anointing. So the enemy's resistance is not against us, really. It's against the anointing. It's against Pentecost. It's against the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And more than that, it's against the glory. Now remember, Christ means the anointed one. So people that don't like the anointing have an antichrist spirit about them. I don't care what they say. And I don't care what church they go to. 
All right. The enemy, this is what it also said. The enemy is not threatened by you, but he is threatened by the anointing. It says, you've been coming up against an anti-Pentecostal spirit in this region, but the Lord would say to remain faithful, and I will open up something. I have the key of David, says the Lord, and I can open what no man can shut. And the Lord would say, because others have been here in the past, have prayed earnestly for this region, it is because of their prayers that I won't let you leave. Because I've heard their prayers, and I'm going to send revival to this area. The Lord would say, I'm going to open it up. No man can shut it. It is going to be sovereign and supernatural. So I've been thinking, my Lord, there's so many other places hungry, you know. And um, anyway, I'm not going to go on all that. But, but that makes sense because you're coming up against an anti-Pentecostal thing and the Lord's saying, I'm not going to let you go somewhere else. You're stuck because I'm going to send revival. All right. The Lord would say, you are only at a level seven. This was back then, increase of anointing. I wrote it all down. But anyway, let me skip that. The Lord would say, because there is great resistance, I'm going to give you a great anointing. Because the battle has been fierce, you will be given a great glory in your midst. And because of the critics and the anti-Pentecostal people out there, I will give you some signs and wonders which they will not be able to refute. Now look, those are some... Those are some promises. All right. Now, how many knows when I spoke that word out, I'm sitting here thinking, well, that's cool just like you were thinking. It was just the Lord flowing, right? But here's the thing. We heard it, but so did the angels and so did the enemy. And the enemy does not want this to happen. So we're going to have to pray this through. Does everybody hear this? Okay. You can't just stick to fold this up and stick this somewhere and go, hey, that's nice. What will be, will be, you know. It doesn't work like that. The preparation has been necessary. The sifting has been necessary. As with Gideon, I need people of faith that are not fearful. I need a David ministry that will run at a Goliath. The Lord would say the praise and worship is crucial. And you know, I hadn't even thought about the, how the enemies tried to come against the praise and worship. But listen to this. The Lord would say the praise and worship has been crucial. It is the window that will bring in the glory. And Satan has tried to attack that ministry, but I have supernaturally kept it alive and protected it because it will be what hosts the glory. I've never even thought about any of that. But if you think about it for very long, that makes a lot of sense, some of the stuff that's happened. All right. One of the things your ministry will be known for, this is another promise. One of the things your ministry will be known for is healing. Even though up to this point your ministry has been known for deliverance and revival, your ministry will also be known for healing in some ways, the anointing for healing will be so strong that you'll be known more for healing than for other things. And because the Lord would say, my people are wounded, not just physically, but they are wounded emotionally, psychologically. They have broken hearts. They have had torn up lives, and the enemy has taken some of them and ripped them to pieces. But when I bring them in here, I'm going to heal them, says the Lord. So that's the promise of the Lord. You guys want me to email you this? All right, let me do that. I'm going to email you guys this. I want you all to help me pray it through. I'm doing a little bit of just partial fasting about it, but I'm really believing God for these things about the promise about great anointing, great glory in your midst, and healing and different things. But see, this is a classic example of what I was just preaching on. This is something that's a rhema word. God is speaking. We've got to believe what he's saying, okay? And not only that, 
But if you think about it for very long, how many times have you already heard some of these other things in different prophetic words? I have already heard a lot of this from other people. People that don't even know me come up to me and tell me these same things. So this isn't anything new, but we're going to have to pray it through. And I think about um, some of the prophetic words about a harvest coming, an open door of revival. Benny Baker didn't even know me from Adam and was preaching and just said, he stopped, pointed at me and said, I see revival fire falling all around you. <coughs> all right. So when you get a word from the Lord, and I'm going to finish this point with this. When you get a word from the Lord, write it down. Some of you guys have got words. You remember when Pastor Jeff came? Some of you guys got some kind of word from Pastor Jeff, maybe Anthony. Somebody's given you a word. And you need to write it down somewhere, maybe on a piece of paper you keep in your Bible, put a date on it, and pray about it. Pray, pray about it coming to pass. All right. Number three, the armor of God. <clears throat> I want you to have faith about putting on the armor. It is not symbolic. The armor of God is real. Okay? Some people are spiritual streakers. They run around naked. Okay? <laughs> but anyway, God wants us to have on the armor every day. And let me tell you just the reality of it. In the spirit realm, you don't see it because you're looking at everything with the natural, okay? But in the spirit realm, there's good angels and bad angels. We know there's spiritual warfare, okay? They see if somebody has their armor on or not, and the effects can be felt because when the enemy comes against people, it's harder, much harder for those that don't have on the armor. All right, so let me read you this. Now, remember the Apostle Paul? This is one of these stories. I've really studied out the whole thing, but he went to Ephesus a second time and saw a great revival. And this church, the Ephesian church, was planted in the fires of revival. And it's little wonder that there was so much spiritual warfare going on because the enemy wanted to stop him. Because, I mean, the Bible says that the whole province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. He was there for two years. And Acts chapter 19, there were such awesome miracles that, that they were bringing all their witchcraft scrolls and burning them. And it, was, it, it tallied up to like millions of dollars today of what they were burning. And they, they had repented. There was major miracles breaking out to the point that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched Paul were taken miles away and put on a sick person or a demon-possessed person. They were healed and delivered. And it was a major revival. Okay, so understand the context of this. So Paul, once he's gone through all of this, he's writing back to this church. And he tells them, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. <coughs> I'm not going to teach on it, but it talks about world rulers, principalities, and powers. Okay? Wickedness that's in the heavenlies. He said, put on the armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So that implies that when the day of evil comes, if you don't have on the armor, you may have a harder time standing your ground. Okay? 
And he said, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel. So it's like gospel shoes of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And listen to this one that nobody ever quotes. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. How many of you knew that that was part of your armament? Praying in the spirit. Jude said, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but anyway, I'll come back to it. But this is important about praying in the spirit. Put on the armor every day. You having on the armor of God makes a difference in the quality of your life. It makes a difference whenever things come against you, how it's going to end up. And the Bible says that the shield of faith, so faith forms a shield around your life. Some people's shield of faith, I'm convinced, is probably about this big. Okay. It's made of some kind of paper or something. Yeah, they just move it around and block it. It's a wimpy shield. And a fiery dart comes and hits it and it's, just, it's gone, you know. But listen, whenever we build up our faith, there's two ways you build up faith. One is you get in the Word of God and the Word brings faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word. The second way you build up your faith is Jude says pray in the Holy Spirit and you build up your most holy faith. Because it's from, your, it's from your inner man that faith arises from within you, okay? So anyway, you let your faith come up, and when your faith is where it needs to be, there's a shield that forms around you and your family and what you own. There's a shield, and it's literal, and it can be quite big. And so your shield is supposed to be thick, and it's supposed to be wide enough to cover your family, cover your finances, and it's there to block the attacks of the enemy. All right, I'm going to move on. I'm just giving you guys some points, okay? So please take this home, read over it in your own personal life. Just like last week, you know, read over that stuff and study it in your own personal time with the Lord. Number four, receiving prayer by faith, Romans 1.11. Paul told them, he said, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That can be translated to take you to a place of strength. All right, so you guys know about impartation anyway. But this is one of the scriptures. I want to impart to you some spiritual gift. Impart, okay? Impartation is where the anointing or whatever that's on somebody's life from the Lord is released to you. It's passed like Elijah to Elisha, Moses to Joshua, from Paul to Timothy, Okay? Remember Paul told Timothy, stir up what's in you through laying on of hands. So Paul and some others laid hands on him. There was an impartation in him. And they, and they told him, Paul said, to stir it up, what's in you. Okay? And so I'm telling some of you guys that are intercessors, you got to understand every, every great revival that has ever happened, I encourage you to study this out for yourself, and you're going to be surprised. Almost no revival that has ever happened that's of significance had a huge, massive amount of people. Most of them started with a small group of people, and most of them started with deep intercession. Almost all of them. That's how it started in the Argentine revival with Edward Miller, and that's how. And that Edward Miller was several years before the revival broke out. But there was a small group of intercessors 
And the same thing, Brother Kilpatrick, I know the church was decent size, but Brother Kilpatrick said there was only a handful of people with him going after revival. And Azusa Street, there was a, maybe a dozen people in that house on Bonnie Bray Street praying for revival. So I said that to say this. Some of you guys have a gift of intercession within you. And God comes on you and you have a burden. And you begin to pray, you begin to intercede and travail like tonight. Some of you did. You need to stir that up and you need to allow yourself to be used in that area because that has a lot to do with the coming revival. See, your, your intercession, uh, this is not, excuse me, this is not my notes, but the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 4.19, he said that I'm again in the pains of childbirth because he was travailing and interceding. You remember in Romans he said with groans that can't be uttered? And some people get around the prayer posters and they begin to pray, but they're just groaning and they're crying and they're weeping and they're wailing. That's Romans 8. They're groanings that can't be uttered. But Paul said, I'm again in the pains of childbirth, praying and, and travailing for you that Christ be formed in you. Do people got to understand is, is the tears that flow and, and the travailing that's going on is causing souls to come into the kingdom. It's causing things to come to pass. I remember hearing about the Brownsville Revival, and it's, they, they had actually done something a little, little bit similar, but they had banners represent different things. But Brother Kilpatrick said he, he saw on those nights that they prayed that around the revival banner, he would hear the most weeping and wailing and travailing around that banner where people were, were crying out for revival. Little did they know at the time that two and a half years later, two and a half years of travailing, that two and a half years later, they would see a revival that changed this nation and changed the world. Think about it. <clears throat> but anyway, my point is I want people to understand that impartation is significant. And I know a lot of you know this, but it's received by faith. You take things by faith. Let me give you an example in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. All right, we're all given one spirit to drink. So I've, I've prayed with, with some people sometimes over the years. I've been in this thing for like 15 years, okay? And I've been praying for people, laying on of hands and the power of God and stuff for many, many years. But I've seen, you can go through the same church service, pray with people, and some people, it's like they're a lightning rod. They just get hit by the power. Other people don't even know how to receive from God. Do you hear what I'm saying? They don't know how to receive. And you receive the same way it says you're given the same spirit to drink. You receive by stopping. Some people are sitting there praying and praying and praying, and, and you, it's like you've got to stop for a second and receive. But they're so busy talking and yelling to God, and, and, and just they're so into something else that they, they can't even receive. But you receive the same way you take a drink. You stop and you drink. You take it in, okay? So when the Lord moves and he's wanting to touch people, you've got to take it by faith that you're receiving what the Lord is doing. You're receiving healing flow into your body. You're receiving whatever impartation God has for you. Does this make sense? 
But I've seen that many times. And you can see the difference also even at the outcry because there's some people that are so unfamiliar with revival that when you go to pray for them, they don't even know how to proceed. The same anointing is there for them as anybody else, but they don't even know how to receive it. And they're just kind of standing there like, you know, what's going on? So you got to learn how to receive from the Lord. All right. All this is about faith. All right, the next thing is tithing and giving. We give to the Lord just because we love the Lord and he deserves it. That's the motive. Okay, that's the motive of the heart. But let me show you some things. Okay, Malachi 3.8. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me, because you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I won't, listen to this, throw open the floodgates of heaven, Pour out so many blessings, there's not room enough to contain it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops. That's rebuke the devourer. In verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed. So the Lord says, with tithers, I encourage you guys, some of you don't have jobs yet. When you get older and get jobs, listen to me. I've always done this. I've just, I believe in it. I believe, it, you know, it's the ways of the Lord and it's kind of one of those things, it's like, as for me and my house, this is what we're going to do, you know. But me and Sandy have always tithed, and I've tithed going way back because my parents tithed. And that's just the way, it, you know, I was raised, and that's the way I do things. But I don't just tithe just by, you know, just doing it, but I do it in faith. I believe God. I believe that as I'm tithing, I can stand on this scripture and believe that God will open the floodgates of heaven. He will pour out his blessings. He will rebuke the devourer, and, and people will rise to call me blessed. And you know what? This is the honest truth over the years. Sandy and I have had to get rid of stuff because we had a garage sale or something, just get rid of stuff because we had too much that we couldn't contain it. Okay? The Lord has rebuked the devourer for us, okay? And, and people have called me blessed. People said, you're blessed for the Lord. And so I can see it. I can stand on this scripture because I obey the Bible in that area. You see what I'm saying? All right. Now let me give you a few more. Because these are the three big ones about giving. Because how many know, you know, I don't talk a lot about giving in this church at all. Y'all know that. But it is, it is important because the Lord wants our lives to be blessed in that area. You know, I don't want to just be blessed in my health and blessed in relationships and blessed in every other area you know giftings and anointing all this stuff and then it's like but the finances are i don't want that area of my life to not be blessed i want every area and so you learn the promises of god and how to get every area of your life in the will of god and in a position to be blessed so here's the three big ones number one is tithe what sandy and i do when we get paid the very first thing we do is just tithe the first 10 percent and then we believe God to take care of the rest, and he always does. But Genesis 12, 2, I'm going to give you two more things. You guys ready? How many knows God said, I will bless those that bless Israel and curse those that curse Israel? And this is a big deal with God. Your attitude toward the nation of Israel is a big deal with God. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that there will be sheep and goat nations that are based strictly on the way that they treat Israel. Okay? 
We're engrafted into the vine through Jesus. But anyway, Genesis 12, 2, God was speaking to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. You will be a blessing and I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. <coughs> so one of the things I try to do is bless Israel. I'm just led by the Lord about it, but there's specifically for me, there's several different ministries. I know that Anthony, for example, he his ministry supports a ministry through Christ for the Nations that is going to Israel and they minister there. So he's blessing Israel financially that way. For me, I'm going through Pat Robertson's ministry, Operation Blessing, and they have a way of donating to Israel Relief. So they take care of the needy in Israel. And that's the way I'm doing it. If you guys want to do that through the church, just put on it, you know, your check or envelope, this is for Israel, and all of it will go to that. Okay, and we'll put it through the church into that. But I'm going to tell you, I have been so blessed by the Lord by doing that. And I'll give you a testimony, because sometimes it's good to share testimonies. So the Lord spoke to me. Well, this pertains to some of the young people. We had to raise, like, I don't remember, some insane amount of money, like $2,700 or something. And we only had a couple months to do it. But y'all wanted to go to collision, so we were, like, praying it through, okay? <laughs> so anyway, we were praying, and this is what the Lord spoke to me. I'm in prayer, and the Lord told me it was actually the goal was $2,500, but we ended up raising, like, 3300 or something. But anyway, here's what happened. So I'm praying about it. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give $250 out of the church fund to bless Israel. And, I, and I, it, this goes to show how unspiritual all of us can be, amen. So I'm sitting there going, Lord, we're trying to raise. We have no money. We're trying to raise like $2,500, and you're wanting me to give $250. We only got a couple months here, Lord, you know. And the Lord spoke to me to do it, so I did it. But little did I understand what was going to happen. As soon as I did that, Every fundraiser we did, everything that we did was so blessed by God that we got far more money than what we ever thought we would. Not only that, but there was an abundance. There was a leftover. Because how many knows when Jesus blesses the loaves and fishes, there's leftover. There was so much leftover that you guys are going to be going to Six Flags off some of the leftover, you know, months later. So it was, a, it was one of those things that when we started, we stepped out and did that and blessed Israel, it brought a blessing back on us, okay? All right, Psalm 41.1, and this is another promise of God about giving. Take care of the poor. This is a big deal with God, okay? There's a lot of scriptures. There's scriptures in Proverbs that talk about when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. You won't be without your reward. But look at Psalm 41. This is so powerful. It says, blessed are those who regard the poor. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects them and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desires of their enemies. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. That's some really powerful promises. So as you do those three things, as you tithe, as you bless Israel, as you bless the poor, you can stand on these scriptures in faith that I'm doing this just because I love you, Lord. Okay, the motive of your heart is, is not greed. I love the Lord. I'm doing it because I love the Lord, okay? But at the same time, you can stand on these promises 
Because there's going to come a time where you may need the Lord to deliver you out of some trouble. There may be a time in your life whenever you need protection or preservation. I'm reading this scripture right now. You may be a time in your life whenever you need the Lord to pull you up out of your sickbed. And at that time, you can go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I've, I've regarded the poor, and I'm, and I'm quoting this scripture to you. And think about this. I promise you it has a lot to do with revival because you, if many of you remember a man by the name of Cornelius in the book of Acts. Cornelius was a Gentile, but he, he loved the God of Abraham. And listen to what happened to Cornelius. Here's this Gentile guy. Jesus had died, raised from the dead, had already ascended, okay? Revival was breaking out among the Jews through Peter and the apostles and all that. Cornelius loved the God of Abraham, and all of a sudden, one day, he's in prayer, and an angel shows up to Cornelius. And this is what the angel told him. The angel said, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have gone up to God as a memorial offering, and the Lord has sent me to you. And the angel said, now you send for Peter, and he'll tell you what you need to know. And so Cornelius sent for Peter. They brought back Peter. This was the first time the gospel had come to Gentiles. So Cornelius, think about it. When, when Peter's coming, Cornelius calls all of his family and friends. And he's like, man, I had an angel show up at my house. So guys, listen, this is going to be significant. So they all come. Peter shows up. Peter starts preaching the gospel to him while he's still talking. The power of God fell on them. The Bible says the same way it came on the day of Pentecost. And they heard the Gentiles speaking in tongues. Wow. But all of it went back to Cornelius being a God-fearing man who loved God, who prayed, and who gave to the poor. Isn't that something? <coughs> all right, I'm going to read through these last ones pretty quick here. But the benefits of praying in tongues, praying in the spirits. It's a powerful thing. So in your own personal prayer life, whatever, praying in the spirit. Listen to these promises. The Bible says it edifies yourself. That means it strengthens you. Number two, you utter mysteries. That means great revelation comes into your life. Do you really understand that? When you're praying in the Spirit, you're getting revelation from the Lord. There's things in the Bible that you've never understood, but as you're praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is giving, giving you revelation. And the next time you read it, you're going to see something you never saw before. Is this helping you? The next one says, The Holy Spirit will pray through you the perfect will of God, Romans 8, 26. How many knows that we need to, to be in the will of God and praying the will of God? Who is going to know the will of God better than the Holy Spirit? And as the Holy Spirit is praying through you, he's praying the perfect will of God. Also, it's part of your armor, as I mentioned. It sharpens your discernment. It helps you to become more sensitive, spiritually speaking. Number Or number five or something like that. I don't have numbers, just uh, bullet points here. But it says it builds up your most holy faith. The next one, the enemy cannot understand what you're praying. That's just my opinion about it, but if it's a heavenly language, how is the enemy going to know what you're saying? And that's really good because sometimes the enemy tries to oppose your prayers. But when you're praying in tongues and you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you are praying the perfect will of God, but it's like, you know, 
many of you that have seen uh, different studies about the war that went on between like in the Cold War and back in Vietnam and things, the U.S. military would use specific codes to communicate to one another that even if the enemy tried to intercept what they were saying, they wouldn't know what they're talking about. So here you've got this direct line to heaven. And even if the enemy is trying to intercept and say, okay, well, they're praying about this, so let's try to oppose this, you've got a direct line to heaven where you're praying in a heavenly language and they don't even really understand what you're talking about. That's powerful, isn't it? Now, if you're praying in an earthly language, they will. All right. You will stay in the perfect will of God because the Holy Spirit is praying that through you. The next one is you will be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 3.16. You will be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. And then John 4.23, Jesus said true worshipers will come that worship in spirit and in truth. So just like tonight as we're worshiping in the spirit, the Bible calls that worshiping in the spirit and in truth. It's heart worship. All right. If you guys will read back over this this week and just go back over and pray about it, I really feel like God's going to ignite faith in you about these areas, okay? The last couple ones, the power of the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. But we're living in a time where we have the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus, but when you read in the Old Testament, those great champions of God, they didn't have the benefits that we have today. All right, real quick about the blood. Two quick points. You remember the book of Job. Satan came to God. God said, have you considered Job? Satan said, you have put a hedge around him and his family and all that he has. But see, Job would get up in the morning and shed blood. He would kill an animal, shed blood for his family. This was, you know, way before Jesus died, okay? And so this was the way that they would have atonement for their sin. They would shed blood. But the power, think about this for a minute. The power of the blood of some animal. Job was doing it in faith, okay? He was shedding blood for his family for their sins to be washed. And he was doing it in faith. But if the power of the blood of an animal had the power to put a hedge around him and his family, all that he had so that the devil couldn't touch him, how much more is the power of the blood of Jesus today? <coughs> that there's a hedge around us and our families, all that we own because of the blood. The second thing is, Hebrews eleven twenty eight. by faith, he kept the Passover and a sprinkling of blood so the destroyer of the firstborn could not touch the firstborn of Israel. So you remember the Passover. They put the blood on the door po doorpost of their home. They would kill a lamb, shed the blood, okay? They would take hyssop, which was like grabbing a handful of grass. They would dip it in the blood. They would either sprinkle or paint it on the doorpost. When the death angel came, they saw the blood and nobody was harmed. See, the blood over your family is a powerful thing. I'm showing you something. The power of the blood of Jesus gives you access into God's presence, but it also brings you great protection in your life. So you need to get under the blood every day. One of the things Steve Hill used to preach, and I loved it, he said during the Brownsville Revival, he said, you need the blood of Jesus on your life fresh. You need it today. All right, and then the power of the name of Jesus. You can go up to somebody or some demon and yell in the name of Buddha. They're going to laugh at you, okay? 
You can you can you can say in the name of, of Zach. <laughs> I think they'll tremble a little. Okay, I'm just I'm kidding. No, they won't. But if when you say the name of Jesus, okay, then they do tremble. Listen to what Jesus said, in Mark sixteen seventeen. These signs will accompany those that believe in my name. Do you guys believe? Okay. In my name, Jesus said. Everybody say, in my name. name. So it's in the name of Jesus they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. It even says that we'll be protected. It says they'll pick up a snake with their hands. They'll drink deadly poison. It won't hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. So look at the promise here. You remember the apostle Paul was bit by a snake? He shook it off in the fire, and nothing happened to him on the island of Malta. The result of that? Everybody in the whole island got saved. I wonder how many people through the years have drank something that was really deadly, but, but they prayed over and they blessed their food, and whenever they partook of it, they didn't even realize it because they were totally protected. I remember Derek Prince said that when he was in the military, he was in Britain, and he was in the Middle East, a sign there in the desert, and there was a guy that he'd become friends with that was a Muslim, and he was going to drink some of the water and the Muslim guy said you, you know you white guys your stomachs can't handle this water and Derek said that's true but he said I'm a Christian and I'm going to drink this in the name of Jesus and nothing bad's going to happen and the guy said okay and so he did nothing bad happened and the guy really that really stuck with him the power of Jesus see it's a testimony of the reality of the power of Jesus amen and Philippians 2.10 that in the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That's everywhere, friend. When you're talking about heaven, on the earth, and down under the earth, you're talking about hell. Every knee must bow to the name. There's awesome power in Jesus' blood, awesome power in his name. But see, I need to read these scriptures to you so that your faith can rest in that, what the Bible actually says. It's just one thing for me to get up and say, well, there's power in the name of Jesus. You go, okay, I believe that. But whenever I read the scriptures and you hear the word of God showing you, then you're like, oh, wow, there is power in the name of Jesus. All right. The last thing is fasting. There's things with fasting you're not going to get any other way. Just like there's promises connected to giving to the poor, there's promises connected to, um, you know, living certain ways. God says, God says many times his word, if you do this, I will do this. So there's promises connected to what you do. So there's things connected. There's promises connected to fasting specifically that you're not going to get any other way. Does this make sense? Okay. Isaiah 58, let me read through this real quick. It says, Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose chains of injustice and tie cords of the yoke? Now listen, I, I believe that this is going to help some of you guys with your fasting. Because you don't have to fast necessarily a long, huge period of time. You know, a lot of the fasting I do will be like a meal a day for 21 days or something. Or I might fast from morning to evening. I don't do a whole lot of extended fast. I mean, it's just that God hasn't led me to. Some people do, and it's very powerful. God's led them to do that. Okay? But fasting is powerful. And Jesus taught us when you fast, not if. He said when you do so it's, it's important that we have fasting in our lives, okay? So look at this right here. If you apply all of this to your life, your fasting is going to be powerful. But let me show you. 
He said, this is the kind of fast I've chosen. He just rebuked them because they had all this sin. And here they were trying to fast and pray. And they're like, God's not answering us. And God's like, you've got all this horrible sin and junk you're doing. And then you're going to come pray and fast. Of course, I'm not going to hear you. He said, this is the fast I've chosen. To loose chains of injustice and untie cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. You know what that means for you? That you forgive people. Because your unforgiveness toward other people has an oppressive effect on them. Did you hear what I said? It affects you more than anybody else. Okay, It can make you sick. It can allow tormenting spirits in your life. It's horrible. Unforgiveness is horrible. But not only that, it has an oppressive effect on other people. And this is number one right here. You untie the yoke. You forgive other people. You get that off them. You set the oppressed free. Number two, is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide, provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked clothe him? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about when you're fasting to take the money or the food that you would normally partake of and to somehow give that to the poor? Have you ever thought to do that? Think about it for a second. Number one, you need to forgive people and you need to set the oppressed free. But number two, have you ever thought about, you know, I'm fasting lunch today. I normally would spend five bucks on lunch or $10, whatever. And you take that money and maybe on your way to work, there's this homeless guy that's always out there and you go by through a drive-thru and buy him a meal. And on your way to work, you give it to him and then go off and fast. Have you ever thought about doing that? Have you ever thought about connecting, ministering to the poor with your fasting? Because it's right there. And what I, what I do sometimes, instead of just doing that, because I live in kind of a, a wealthy city, and so I don't see a lot of people like that around me, okay? So what I try to do is you can get, take the money you would normally spend on your food and sow it into a ministry that gives to the poor. So have you ever considered, number one, making sure you have no unforgiveness, you've set all the oppressed free, but giving to the poor and connecting it with your fasting. All right. This is what the Bible says. If you'll do God's fast God's way, this is what it says. It says, your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call and the Lord will answer. That's some powerful promises. All right. And the last thing is there's seven scriptural fasts in the Bible. There's a three-day absolute fast for crisis. No food or water. But that's a, you got to make sure you hear from God about that one. The next one is a 21-day partial fast for revelation and victory. It's called a Daniel fast. Where you just give up something for 21 days, like sweets or a meal a day or whatever. It's some kind of partial fast. The next one is a one-day fast for spiritual examination. You fast a day. The next one is a morning-to-evening fast for cleansing and victory. Because in the book of Judges, the nation of Israel kept fighting this battle, and they kept losing, and they fasted from morning to evening, and the next time they fought, they won the battle. There's another fast, humbling and fasting to avoid judgment. Listen, God, if you want to get far with God, Humble yourself. 
and pray and fast and get serious with God because even King Ahab, the Bible says he was the most wicked king Israel ever had. Think about this for a moment. He was the most wicked. God said so. God spoke to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. That's how, that's how God felt about Ahab. Okay, you're going to die. Your whole family's going to die. And then Ahab humbles himself in prayer and fasting. And even though Ahab was such a wicked man, God honored that prayer and fasting and told Elijah, okay, go back and tell him it's not going to happen. Your family getting slaughtered is not going to happen in your lifetime. It's going to happen after you die. Think about that. If God would hear the most wicked king Israel ever had and be merciful whenever he humbled himself in prayer and fasting, how much more so for his kids that are trying to live right? Amen? The next one is a fast for healing, and then the last one is a 40-day fast for dominion and getting through testing. But fasting is awesome, powerful. The key to it is be led by the Spirit. Okay, I'm not going to go long thing on fasting. I mean, it's a whole sermon in and of itself, okay? But be led by the Spirit and be careful to be led by the Spirit. All right. That's what God had me share today. But I want you guys to let your faith arise about these things because we're going to need to start applying these to our lives. When you look about some of these things like the blessings and the revelation, praying things through that God's speaking, so why don't we do that for a second? Will you guys pray with me about these prophetic words? And then if anybody wants prayer about anything, I'm here to pray at the end of this. So some of the promises that God gave through that prophetic word was he's going to send revival. So I'm just going to pray some of these. Just agree with me. Father, we ask you in this region, you haven't allowed us to move on from this city or this region. You've wanted this ministry to be here, but you've promised, Lord, that you're going to send revival. Lord, you said because there will be great resistance that you're going to give us a great anointing. And we ask you, Lord, let the anointing be great. You said because the battle has been fierce, you will give us a great glory in our midst. And we ask you, let it come. You said because there's going to be critics and anti-Pentecostal people, you're going to give signs and wonders which they will not be able to refute, and we ask you to bring that. Lord, you said you've given us a controversial message among these people, a message of repentance among those that live hypocritical and compromising lives. You've given us a message of healing among those that don't believe in healing. You've given us a, a message of deliverance among the religious and a message of the baptism in the Holy Spirit among those that are anti-Pentecostal. And you said we must be strong. So we ask you, Lord, give us the grace to be strong in these areas. You said, Lord, you're going to deliver us from the fear of man and deliver us from intimidation completely so that we can be strong and go through opposition with boldness and courage. And we ask you to let it come in Jesus' name. Lord, you said that you are the Lord that walks among this lampstand and that you're going to open up a flow of life that's going to begin to move in a way that will strengthen and heal areas the enemy has damaged. So we ask you, Lord, let it come. You also said that there's going to be healing to the point to where our ministry be known for healing. And we ask you, let that come. We thank you that you have brought healing, but in a greater way than we've ever known. Yeah, I'm 
feel the Lord saying even right now that the anointing for healing is beginning to stir and flow in this ministry. It's in the atmosphere. We just speak forward that if there's any areas of health problems in people's lives to be cursed and destroyed and go. We command healing. We command life to flow into people. We command to be healed. We command areas where people need something restored that's been damaged or, or removed out of their body, but they need it. We command it to be restored. Creativity, creative miracles begin to flow. And Lord, we bless this ministry and this atmosphere to be an atmosphere of health and healing and, and, and freedom for people. Lord, let faith arise. Lord, I pray that faith will arise. Give us your grace, Lord, that by the word of God, by praying in the spirit, however, Lord, let faith be very strong in our lives, in our midst. Let the gift of faith be at work and very strong at work in all of us so that we can believe you for what you're wanting to do. I see eyes right now. If anybody's had any problems with your eyes at all, why don't you just put your hand over your eyes. And Lord, I command in people's lives that I command eyes to become 20-20. I command that they will shift. If they've been farsighted, that that would move back into place. If they've been nearsighted, that that'll move back into place. If there's been a loss of vision, I command it to be restored back. If there's been any type of cataracts, I command them to fall off. And I command those eyes, I bless those eyes to see 2020. And I command life and healing to begin to flow into those eyes. I see fire right now as I'm speaking. It started with eyes, now I see fire in people's eyes. And I command those eyes to begin to see perfectly and change that you're going to have to take off your glasses because you've noticed that as you're trying to see, all of a sudden it's like it's irritating your eyes because your eyes are being healed and the glasses are actually not necessary anymore. And the Lord has put on my heart strongly about the apostolic. Lord, you've been putting on my heart about the apostolic and about the signs and wonders. Lord, we ask you to let the right, the emerging of the apostolic and the fivefold ministry really be everything it's supposed to be here. And Lord, let the, the miracles and signs and wonders you want to release to glorify your son and to see lives changed, let it come, Lord. Ed, can you catch for me? I feel, Zach, that um, I know the dad couldn't be here because he had that thing at work, but I feel like um, that, especially as an elder, there's going to be a flow of healing. And I'm, and I'm asking the Lord to give you the gift of faith tonight to believe him 
for things you've never been able to believe for before. That the gift of faith will be in you and it will affect you. Your faith level as an individual is going to affect everything because you're going to begin to believe like you've never believed. Lord, I pray the gift of faith, the anointing for healing. I feel like the gift of healing is there. But now with the gift of faith and a fresh anointing, also going to work with, you need to remember, it's going to work with the discerning of spirits. Because some people need healing because they need to be set free from something, like a spirit of infirmity. Now, Lord, really, I feel like he's really going to use you in that. And it's not going to be hard because the Lord is going to put the gifting in you of faith to where you just believe. It's not hard. It just comes naturally. And he's also going to put an anointing on those gifts, and it's going to flow. Bam! The Lord confirms his word. The heart ablaze in Jesus' name. You're going to really have a burning heart for young people and for revival in this country. Lord, I pray what you did in my life in Jesus' name. Amen. needs or wants prayer about anything I'm available but let me speak a blessing over you you're free to go but I just want you to know that I'm not in a hurry so if you want prayer about anything the Lord's here the waters are stirred but I bless every one of you in Jesus name I speak this forth this blessing over your life I bless you that your soul area your mind your will emotions will be strong and disciplined balanced full of faith sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I bless you, your inner man, your spirit man, will be very strong and disciplined, will be very sanctified and holy before God, will be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, his leading, his voice, his direction. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. I bless that your bodies will have divine health, not just that they just, you know, are, are healthy and fine. I'm talking divine health. Because the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and he gives life to your body. He gives life to your mortal body. And I bless your body to have supernatural energy and life and supernatural health and strength that your immune system is, is exceptionally strong. It's like supernatural because the spirit of God is in you, strengthening you. And I bless you that there will be the Holy Spirit enveloping you so much that even if there's sickness around you, a contagion, it won't get in your life. It won't be able to attach itself, but it will bounce back off of you and won't affect you at all. I bless you that your eyes will see clearly what the Lord is wanting you to see spiritually, and I believe the Lord is doing a work in people's physical eyes too. I bless your ears to hear the voice of the Lord. Your countenance will reflect His glory. Your meditation of your heart and the words of your mouth will please the Lord. You're going to have clean hands and pure hearts, and your heart, your hands, rather, will have God's authority and power in them to destroy the devil's works. 
As the Bible said in Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good, healing all oppressed of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And I bless you that through your hands, the works of the devil will be destroyed. Sickness and disease will be destroyed. Bondages and works of the devil destroyed. And people will be set free and healed. I bless you from your belly will flow rivers of living water to the nations. That you'll walk in purity and holiness and righteousness, peace and joy in these end times. That your steps will be order of the Lord. And the Bible says God encamps his angels around those that fear him. And I bless you that angels will be around you. They'll be around your vehicle when you travel. They're going to be around your property line at home. And they're going to be around your person. When you sleep at night, the angels of the Lord are watching over you. And I bless you in Jesus' mighty name. That every ear and detail of your life be blessed and fruitful for the kingdom. And also fill to bless finances. And I bless your finances to multiply and increase and to be more than enough. More than enough to pay every bill on time and meet every need. That when something arises... You won't have to worry about it because there'll be money in there in savings. You'll have more than enough so you can save and be able to be generous in your giving to others. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Your relationships will be healthy and peaceful. Your home will be a haven of God's peace and his presence. And your, your time will work with you, not against you. And your travels will be in safety and peace as the Lord goes in front of you and prepares your way. And you'll be protected and kept from the evil of the day. We're in the end times, but I bless you. You will be protected and kept from the evil of the day. You will have wisdom and grace, and you will be guided away from violence. You're going to be protected and kept away from evil. And God's hand will be mightily upon you to be a bold witness. And you will walk with God greater than even Enoch did because you have the blood of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit living inside you. And I bless you in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you his peace. I bless you now that this blessing rest on you in the name of Jesus. And now I'm, I'm prophesying, but I feel the Lord saying, the gifts that are in you, the preparation that's going on, all of it is for a reason. There's prophecies that are hovering I see the Lord saying there's prophecies that are hovering. They're hovering over this house. They're hovering over this ministry. And when it's the right timing, it's going to open up. And every prophecy is going to be fulfilled. That God has given us a major increase of anointing. It's a token. It's to show us that he's among us and he's at work. And what he's promised is coming to pass. Steve Hill said he saw a great harvest. I believe it's coming. And I thank you, Lord, for it and bless you. And I ask you to seal your people. Lord, I pray a fresh anointing. You know what? I, I bless you, and I pray this as well. Lord, I'm asking you to let your glory rest over your people at night. That when we sleep at night, there's going to be the glory over us like a blanket. And there'll be a fresh anointing. We'll get up in the morning and feel like we've been, you know, in the altar all night, just in the glory. I bless every one of you that the glory of God will rest over you at night like a blanket. And there will be a fresh anointing on your bed. You'll be filled with the Spirit. And when you get up to pray the next morning, you're going you're gonna to already be full of the Spirit. I bless you. That will be normal and common in your life in Jesus' name. Right, if anybody wants prayer about anything or whatever, I'm here. If not, I think we're going to go out to eat. And everybody's welcome.
I feel the Lord saying to you that there's going to be healing while you're singing and while 